Hello and welcome to another episode of my weekly podcast. I'm Father Roderick. It's a nice day outside. Finally, we had a lot of rain this morning, but now the skies are blue, the sun is shining, and I'm sitting behind a microphone at 7 p.m. in the evening. This is not what I planned. This episode of the podcast is brought to you thanks to my patrons, and thanks to them, I can do this advertisement free. I get so sick and tired of all these podcasts that I've lined up and then... After 10 minutes, yeah, before we continue with this very exciting topic that you want to hear all about, let me first talk about and then some something that I have no interest in. Anyway, thank you so much, dear patrons over at patreon.com slash fatherroderick. I love you guys. Do you know what's going on? This is what's happening in your world. They said Catholics rule. We got Boston, South America, the good part of Ireland, and we're making serious inroads in Mozambique, baby. You've taken your first step into a larger world. This week, this week is seriously messed up, and everything does not go according to plan. And uh, most of it has to do with the situation of my parents. My father has been operated upon. Uh, he had uh, a number of arteries in his leg that were clotted up, um, and the intervention came way too late. There is a one of the doctors I think made the wrong assessment or just didn't speed things up. And then my mom has all sorts of respiratory pro- problems. The worst thing is that my father is super confused, and uh, this has been going on for uh, for several months already. But it has worsened a lot in the just the the, the past two weeks. Um, so from the looks of it, it's severe dementia, uh, which is a problematic because he's now at the hospital and he wants to get out of bed. And uh, my mother doesn't doesn't have the energy to take care of of him, and he needs to uh, get back on his feet. And it's all very complicated because, well, you know, doctors and waiting lists and whatnot. Um, and it's it's uh, it's very frustrating to be to not be there and to be able to take charge of things because, of course, my mom has to do that, that herself. Um, and uh, but sometimes I'm thinking, oh, if I were in that situation, I would do this and this and that, and I get very impatient. Um, but of course, I. I I just have to sit and and wait, and that makes you feel very powerless. <laughs> so, well, I can always pray. That's uh, that's one thing, but because of that, um, Sunday I had to go to my parents and give my father the anointment of the sick. We'll talk a little bit about that, what that means, and what that is later on in this show. Um, and that's on top of the kind of the usual fatigue in the weekend with the the masses and the running around in the parish. So yesterday I was a messed up day. It was just all sorts of things that you have to kind of put aside because you're focusing on your parents and then you have to kind of see, see if you can get back on track. And not only am I a program maker, but I'm also running um, the, the, the organization here. So it's just a lot of people that want to know things and we have to discuss things. And it's, it's hard to do business when you're also... Uh, distracted by well the things that are actually more, much more important than than work, but life goes on as well, so it's it's a balancing act right now. Um, anyway, I'm hoping for better times. At least I've I felt I had to just do my shows now, even though I'm not supposed to be at the office right now. Normally on Tuesdays I only work uh, in the morning, but now I'm uh, I'm sitting here at what is it seven seven p.m. That's how long I've been working overtime. 
that tomorrow I'm not going to work. I'm going to go for a very long walk. I'm still training for that uh, walking event in July. Uh, and I have to be able to walk 40 kilometers for four days in a row. And just a few days ago, I walked f- um, 54 kilometers in one day. It took me 11 hours, or a little more than 11 hours. Um, but that's just one day. I need to be able to walk walk that you know long distances for several days. So I need to up my training. And then walking takes a ton of time. Literally, I mean, if I take my bike, I can do it in in like a third of the time or even less. Uh, walking is super time consuming. I ne- basically have to invest an entire day in that in that training, and then ideally, I would walk the next day another forty kilometers just to get the hang of those long distances. But I don't think I can do that because there's so much work waiting for me as well. Oh well, we'll we'll figure it out. Let's talk movies. That is my saving grace, literally. Sometimes after a, a day with so many impressions and worries and and work, I just need to uh, sit down in front of the television and shut shut off my brain and watch some TV and watch some movies. So I've got a number of them uh, that I want to review here today on the show. And of course, we, we, we need to talk about something that we skipped last week. And that is the uh, the end of Game of Thrones. Because that that's the thing, you know? I do not like movies. They're predictable. Like, the guy gets the girl, and that kid sees dead people, and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine. I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a movication. I'm going to give it to you. All right. Well, the end of Game of Thrones. No spoilers, by the way. And I can't because I haven't seen it. I haven't seen this entire season. I've, um, I'm still somewhere stuck in, I think, in the sixth season. So I still have a lot of ground to cover before I get, can get to the finale. I heard that uh, some fans are very disappointed, angry. Others say it's fine. Well, the usual. The, <laughs> the internet has an opinion. And people tend to be very negative about things. Well, of course... It's kind of always troubling. Uh, it's always difficult to 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 end a franchise that is so popular. And and Game of Thrones is just one of those things. It's like the last thing we had uh, an epic TV series that everybody watched was Lost. And and remember the, f- the 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 feedback on the on the finale of of Lost. People hated it. I thought it was brilliant. I loved it, but. A lot of fans were super disappointed. Um, The same happened to a lesser extent with uh, Battlestar Galactica. That was not for everyone. It was certainly a big science fiction show, but not as big as Game of Thrones. And also the ending of of Battlestar Galactica was, uh, for, for a lot of people, a reason to complain. I, again, thought it was brilliant what they did. I loved it. (laughs) And so I don't know how I'm going to react to Game of Thrones. But what I can talk about in this episode is who is going to take the, the who is going to uh, sit on the throne now that game of thrones is over what is going to be the next big television series and of course there are a lot of uh, streaming platforms that at least want to try to put something in 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 the place of game of thrones perhaps the the biggest contender in the near future is going to be the new middle earth series that is um 
being produced by Amazon. Uh, they spend um, probably the biggest amount of money ever spent on the on the, the rights to that story. And they're currently developing uh, the series. They're still writing for it. I heard that they actually hired one of the lead writers for Game of Thrones, also one of the writers that wrote the mo- more popular episodes. Even if this last in this last season, apparently there was one episode that, that everybody loved. Well, that writer, forgot his name, is now hired to to pen some episodes or perhaps even write more, I don't know, uh, the, 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 the basic outline for that Middle-Earth series. So it looks to me that, that everything is in place for this to be a massive success. They're going to film a lot of the series in Scotland, which is also very cool because now I don't have to go on pilgrimage all the way to New Zealand to visit the locations, but I can just hop over the ocean uh, over the over the, the the north sea and 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 go see the the middle earth for myself so i'm excited about that but that's not the only television series uh that we will um uh, get in, and 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 that may be become as popular as game of thrones because this middle earth series is scheduled for 2021 but in 2020 in november we already get june uh this is not the first time that june uh, this this uh epic science fiction saga is turned into a television series we had children of dune of course there's the june movie none of them are very successful uh this is a, a very difficult story to uh, to visualize but it looks to me that with this june television series they may actually get it right and i'm look i'm eagerly looking forward to seeing what they do with the franchise then we've got apple tv and Apple, or Apple, I should say, and for their Apple TV Plus uh, pl- uh, platform, or what is it, uh, service, they are going to bring us a television series based on the um, Foundation series. I think it's a number of books written by um, Isaac Asimov, uh, very loved by uh, science fiction fans. But it's Apple, and Apple TV Plus, and, and really... There was this weird presentation in, in, was it in February, where they were announcing basically nothing? It was a whole bunch of hot air, and they couldn't show us a single trailer. And they just had a lot of celebrities standing on the podium and saying, well, we're excited to be doing a TV show for Apple. Yay! (laughs) And then it ended with Oprah, and it was like, Oprah was just standing there and probably thinking I'm I'm getting a lot of money for this so whatever <laughs> I'll just be Oprah but afterwards crickets crickets have you ever heard anything about Apple TV plus nothing I I just don't understand Apple <laughs> it's it's so weird like the, today at least the day that I'm recording this they've announced um, like another iPod like a new iPod with uh, a slightly newer chip in it, an A10. But it's it doesn't even have Touch ID, and it looks like a, a device from, from 10 years ago. It's like, where is the innovation? Yeah, it's cheap. Well, cheaper. It's cheaper than than their phones, but it's still 250 bucks, I think, for and then 32 gigabytes. They dare to sell a device in 2019 with only 32 megabytes of of, of memory. And then if you if you want to have more memory, of course you can't use an SD card. You have to pay like another hundred bucks. That I'm just so done with that with that marketing strategy. Really, really. I don't know how to get away with it. <laughs> anyway, 
we're not talking Apple here. We're talking TV shows. Uh, that one series that I personally am super excited about, and it looks amazing. There are a lot of photos now on the web. Is the prequel series to one of my all-time favorite fantasy movies. It is the amazing Dark Crystal. I, I saw that movie when I was in high school, uh, watched it countless times afterwards. I loved that world. The world building was amazing. The Jim Henson creations were fantastic. There's never, ever been anything like it after that. Until now, because Netflix is developing this new TV series. And what I'm super excited about is that they decided to, to, to do everything with puppets. They wanted this prequel series to look exactly like the movie creating this visual continuity, but also this this whole... The, the, the world is still the same world, and they went, went practical effects. Apparently, it's a gargantuan task, and the, the director has uh, said in a recent interview that he only sleeps like two hours per night because this series has to be ready in August of this year. Amazing. It looks amazing. I think it's going to be amazing. I love that world. And then, of course... <laughs> there is this, this rumored Game of Thrones prequel. Apparently, it's currently called The Long Night or something like that. But it, the weird thing is, the prequel takes place a thousand or more than a thousand years before the events in Game of Thrones. So, I, I don't know if that's going to work. I don't know if people are going to be interested if it is like the prehistoric times of the Game of Thrones world. There will be no Winterfell. There's not going to be a, the wall is not going to be there. Perhaps this, this is kind of leading up to the building of the wall. But I don't know. We've seen so many prequels fail lately. I don't know if it's a good strategy. Maybe a sequel would be a better idea. But perhaps they didn't get the rights. I don't know. Let me know what what series you are looking forward to. Um, and perhaps I, I just missed a couple of them. But. Man, I always I always like to uh, be get excited about you know what's coming up next. And then of course I've almost forgot to mention we've got Disney Disney Plus and and all the awesome live action Star Wars series that they're going to bring us. That I don't know that may be a surprise hit. Who knows? I I don't know what 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 to think of that because we've never seen live action television series uh, based on Star Wars. So. It's going to be very, very uh, interesting, all these developments. And, of course, we're going to pay so much uh, monthly fees for all these platforms, which all bring us these, this awesome te television. It, we're actually paying more in the future, I think, than, than in, the, in the past when people had to buy these cable subscriptions or, or satellite subscriptions. That was, a, that was super expensive, but now it's actually getting more expensive. Um, we, uh, I also wanted to talk briefly about two uh, things that I've been, or three things that I've been watching on Netflix. Uh, first of all, a television series that um, that my my niece recommended to me. Uh, my my youngest uh, nephew, Ezra, uh, is uh, has been diagnosed on the autism spectrum, and of course that is that is always difficult to deal with um, for my parents, but also for his brother and sister. 
he's a, a great guy, um, but he's got these meltdowns and uh, he has very special talents and also some quirks that you need to deal with. And so we were talking about Netflix and these kids, the two oldest ones are now hitting puberty and, and watching a lot of TV. And so I talked a little bit with my, my, my oldest nephew and he's like, oh, I'm watching Arrow. And he was all excited that I was watching Arrow as well. And then my, my, my uh, niece said, yeah, you have to uh, uh, watch uh, uh, the, the series called Atypical. And I didn't know why she recommended it, but yesterday I started to watch it, and it's amazing. It's a television series that stars in a main role an, an autistic boy. And it is delightfully done. It's so well done. It shows you, um, it, it gives you a lot of understanding of, of, of how he thinks. And he's very literal, and sometimes that's super hilarious. But they don't make fun of that. But they, they portray it as it is, and, and it's so recognizable and so well acted. And then you see also how the family reacts to this and how they deal with it or, or don't deal with it. It's a really, really good series. I've seen two episodes so far. I love it. It's called Atypical. Then I also watched a, a movie, a Netflix movie. I haven't seen the ending yet, but I love it so far. I've watched, I think, two-thirds of it. And then I fell asleep because I was so exhausted. It's called Rim of the World. You can't miss it. It's, it's, it's uh, like on the front page of Netflix. And Rim of the World feels very much like a cross between uh, the, the War of the Worlds and the Close Encounters of the Third Kind and, and the Goonies and Stranger Things. And it feature, and features a number of uh, kids that are going on a summer camp and while they are on that summer camp, the, the camp itself is called the Rim of the World, um, all hell breaks loose because the Earth is invaded by aliens and they destroy, like, every major city. And these kids are somehow get into the possession of a very important artifact that can maybe solve this alien invasion. And then that story tells what happens to these kids. And it, it's got a lot of tropes in it. But that's why I like it. it. It feels. I think it takes place in this day and age, but it feels like a like classic. I know eighties like the this. It has the same vibe of Stranger Things, um, and the interaction between the kids are, is great. I, I really like the actors that they they've chosen for for this group, this band of kids, and and ev almost everything that happens to them is cliche. But that's why it's so delightful. I love it. Go check it out. It's called Rim of the World. And then the final uh, movie that I saw is called Isn't It Romantic? And the premise of the movie is, is awesome. Uh, the execution is sometimes a bit lackluster and a bit predictable, but it was still so funny. So this tells the story about a, a woman uh, working in an office, and she is totally past romantic comedy. She hates romantic comedies because she's basically always experiencing that life is not like a romantic comedy. And then she uh, gets involved in an accident and she wakes up inside a romantic comedy. The entire world around her has been turned into this kind of la-la land with everybody always dancing and singing. And she is like, what? I don't want to be here. And the, life is not... She's trying to convince all the people around her that are part of this romantic comedy that life is not like a romantic comedy. And then, of course, she learns some lessons about love and about, you know, missing the most important things in her life. 
And, well, you'll have to see the ending for yourself. But I thought it was hilarious, and it's very well done. Visually, it looks amazing. Um, and, and, and it shows you how much also the world of romantic comedies consists of tropes. <laughs> and uh, I had a lot of fun watching this movie, and I highly recommend you, to, you go check it out. Let's take a look at the peculiar bunch here. <laughs> Catholics rock! Here at The Peculiar Bunch, we're always happy to tell you everything you always wanted to know about Catholics and their strange traditions, but you were afraid to ask. Catholics can be a peculiar bunch. No meat on Friday. No meat? What do they eat? Light bulbs? No, we don't eat light bulbs. But we have these things called sacraments, and uh, I think it's time to talk to Homer about the meaning of them. Man, you guys got more crazy rules than Blockbuster Video. got this little uh, plastic Homer Simpson. I think he even makes a sound. Or, no. Actually, he used to make sound, but the battery is, is empty. That's a shame. I think I have some other... Uh, this, this one. This one should work. Let's try. <laughs> Let's see. Homer, does does um, Bart Simpson work? I think these were part of a Happy Meal, and they were, they were sent to me a couple of years ago. And I I may have used Homer Simpson too often because he he does I think he says dough or something like that. <laughs> dough. Anyway, um, this this past Sunday I went to see my my father before he was operated upon uh, to give him the anointment of the sick. And that is one of the seven sacraments of the Catholic Church, and it is a very beautiful sacrament. Now, the, the sometimes this sacrament, when you propose it to older people, they get in, in, in they they panic because it, for a while the sacrament was distributed almost as a last sacrament at the very last moment, and it was also because uh, people would 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 receive confession. And so they would postpone that to the till the very last moment, so you'd be sure that they would go straight to heaven. Now, that is actually not what the origin of the sacrament intended. This is based on um, on the New Testament in one of the letters uh, in the New Testament. Um, the um, the apostle talks about um, in, that in case. Of it's, it's one of those letters written to the, the earliest uh, Christian communities that when someone is ill, they have to call uh, the the elders, the, the the presbyters in 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 Greek. So the the priests, we I would translate that with priests, and the priests have to pray over that over that person and anoint them with oil, and that is still. 2,000 years later, exactly what we do in the sacrament of the anointment of the sick. Um, we anoint people with oil. Oil is a very strong symbol in, in Catholic liturgy. We use oil in various sacraments. Uh, for instance, the sac- sacrament of baptism. The, the child, or the adult, it depends on who is baptized, receives uh, an anointment that symbolizes the gifts of the Holy Spirit that is given in uh, the sacrament of baptism. So baptism has, of course, the symbol of, of the, 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 the water, um, and the water itself is essential to, the, to that sacrament, but the anointment with oil is also part of that sacrament. 
um, as is the imposition of the hands. And uh, the oil also is used in, and this is chrism oil, uh, which means it's a special blend of oil and herbs and all sorts of fragrant fragrant uh, scents for uh, the sacrament of confirmation. Um, and also for the, so the sacrament of confirmation, for those of you that are not Catholic, is the, uh, the, the, the third sacrament of what we call sacrament of initiation. So those are the sacraments that make you a full member of the Catholic Church. So uh, baptism, the Eucharist, First Communion and uh, and Confirmation. So this again, the anointment with the oil is, is uh, the symbol of the Holy Spirit uh, that is that is given to uh, the people that are confirmed, and uh, it's used in the sacrament of ordination as well. Uh, the hands are are uh, my hands were anointed with chrism oil because they're being dedicated to God's work basically, and. Uh, regular olive oil, but that has been blessed by the bishop, is used in the uh, uh, sacrament of the anointment of the sick. Now, uh, what I like about it is that it is uh, a sacrament that is meant to, to express the closeness of God to people in need. It's not to be given to anyone who has a cough or something like that. It's meant for people that are seriously ill, um, and it wants to... Uh, to let that to convey to that person that God is near, sa- even sacramentally present uh, and close to that person who is in need and may, you know, have severe uh, suffer severe consequences of the illness. And so, um, uh, what I did was we, we you pray together briefly. Uh, there's a moment of of asking forgiveness, which I always think is very beautiful. Sometimes in life, people hurt each other. But they never make good. Uh, they kind of tend to postpone it, or time heal all, heals all wounds and everything. But sometimes, in 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 situations of severe illness, it is such a good thing to be able to ask each other forgiveness for the for the lack of love, for um, the harshness, um, for, for for everything that that can go wrong in relationships. And then um, there is a usually a short reading from 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 the gospel or from the Bible. Um, and then uh, there is the imposition of the hand. So I, I went to my father, and this is kind of re- really strange to do that because I'm the son, and it, it at the same time it's such a, an intimate uh, sacrament. And my father was uh, nervous about it, I could tell. And, and since he was also a little bit confused, I, I asked him a week ago if he wanted to receive it be- before he went to the hospital. And then he was very clear... And he's like, yes, I, I, I really want to receive that sacrament. But that day on Sunday, he was a little bit more confused and hazy. So he was like, so uh, is the cardinal coming now? And have, do I have to confess my sins to the, to the, the cardinal? He kept talking about the, the, not the current cardinal, but the previous cardinal, Cardinal Simonis, that he knew very well. So he was like, I was, no, dad, I'm just going to do it myself. But it, it, it's so I, I put my hands on his on his head and I pray in silence for a, for a while. It's a very impressive moment. Um, and of course, the imposition of the hands is a, is a sign of protection. It's it's, it's not my hands, and uh, it's not a medical procedure. But it's it expresses this closeness of God to those who suffer, just like Jesus was always with the sick. And when people needed help, he went there and he did the same. He he he. Put his hands on on the heads of, of the sick, 
and and he tried to heal them. And then the second asp- uh, element of the sacrament is um, olive oil. I put that on my thumb and I make a, a cross on the forehead of my father and in the palms of his hand. And then there is a short prayer that that expresses that, that you know, may God help you in your illness and can't re- recall the the exact formula. It's in a little booklet that I take with me all the time. I'm I'm very bad with these formulas. I always forget them. Anyway, very simple, very simple sacrament. But the, of course, the anointment of the head. That's the place where your memories are, where your your main functions uh, are. That the the head. It's what you use your head. You use it to see the world, to talk to the world, to taste the world, to listen, to smell. To, like all our senses are. Uh, or made or most important senses are in the located in the head, and God wants to uh, bless and heal those those whatever is wrong in our heads, and, and especially because my father shows signs of dementia, kind of kind of makes it extra special. And then you you also um, anoint the hands because the hands are what what a person uses to work. Uh, those hands of now very fragile, and and my father is seventy seven years old and very used up by I think also by his lifestyle a little bit, but those hands have carried me as a baby. Those hands uh, lifted me up when I fell and I was crying. Those hands were caressing my and and it's those same hands that 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 have done so much for us that God blesses, and with that He also blesses the work of our hands. And it's a very touching moment. And then we're all in silence there and praying, and all of a sudden all the dogs start barking, and just the dogs don't care at all for the sacred silence of that sacrament. And everybody is like, oh, we, what, what, what's going on, the dogs? Please silence the dogs. <laughs> Big panic. Oh, well. <laughs> As I mentioned on, on the walk, um, faith is supposed to be part of our day-to-day lives. You don't need to be in a cathedral to... To for God to be present in your life, it can, He can also be present when all the dogs are barking and and uh, people are taking pictures during the anointment of the sick. That was a first. Give it to my family to do that. Like <laughs> I've I've done so many anointments of the sick, and I've been a priest for so many years. This is the very first time that people took photos during the anointment of the of the sick. Both my mom and my sister, like okay, right. Anyway, so that is in a nutshell uh, the, the 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 anointment of the sick. It ends with a short blessing. It's super simple. I like that because it it doesn't need to, God doesn't doesn't need complicated rituals and and uh, lots of words and homilies and stuff. Uh, in those moments where, well, in this case, my father is so fragile and so confused. And, and and old and maybe in his last years to be together as a family in in simplicity it, it to me it was a, a really a beautiful moment where such a simple sign such a simple sacrament can be so powerful and not just for my father but also for my mom and for the rest of the family um, so my father has been operated I I uh, talked a little bit about it also in, the, in in my show The Walk. Um, he's he still is in a lot of pain, very confused, um, and it's uncertain what will happen now because he, well, anyway, uh, lots of worries. Um, we need stock books. 
That's another great... When did you become an expert in thermonuclear astrophysics? Uh, last night. I'm not going to interrupt the the Tony Stark here. Am I the only one who did the reading? Books are another way to sometimes escape the kind of the hectic life. And I'm almost done. Almost. I was so hoping that I could finish the book this weekend. But I'm almost done with the first, with the eye of the world um, of the the um, the uh, Robert Jordan series, uh, The Wheel of Time. And again, I said it last week and I still I keep repeating it. It's, it's just such a, an awesome book. I, I can't wait to, to read on. Um, but I also bought a, a, a series, five books of a series that I've never read, um, but that is very popular in English-speaking countries. It's called Percy Jackson. Um, you may have heard of The Lightning Thief. Uh, that book is probably the most uh, uh, well-known book of the series and has been uh, also turned into a movie. And I think that there's even a second movie based on the second book. But they were on sale on Amazon, on the Kindle store. I, I, I retweeted it and posted it on Facebook for in case you're interested. And uh, I think this is about a boy... Uh, in our day days, uh, so in in, in in this time, who is transported, I think, to the mythological world of Greece, and he turns out to be a son of one of the gods, I think. Very interesting premise. And the books are very uh, popular. And I guess the lightning thief probably has to do something with Thor, the god of thunder and lightning. I don't know. I but I may actually before I I continue the next book, the second book in the in the Eye of the World series or in the uh, Wheel of Time series, I'm actually uh, read the the Lightning Thief and and watch the movie. So, stay tuned. I'll if I do that, I'll review it uh on uh on the show. Um and if you have any other book tips or series, let me know because I'm always in for some uh, some book tips. Uh, Although I think I've gathered so many Kindle books now that I have to live three lives to read it all. <laughs> I got to get into fast reading to finish a little uh, more books than than I currently read. Oh well. And then we've got all this these movies and TV shows to watch, some of which are have to do with science fiction. I see aliens. Little aliens from outer space. And how are things in outer plutonia? How many times have I told you not to wear your space boots in the house? Go to shape, I mean you can donate my body to science fiction. Get your suit on! We need ya! Well, (laughs) science fiction, um, also uh, one of my favorite passions. Uh, These are great times to be to 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 love science fiction because there are so many cool things coming up uh first of all i want to briefly talk about a campaign that is now doing the rounds on the internet that has to do with a a a sequel to the solo star wars movie now uh wasn't the biggest hit (laughs) i mean it did fine compared to other movies but for for disney it was certainly not the success that they hoped it would be and they had had a very troubled uh um, production uh, process and so i i think this is one of the first times in history that star wars actually lost money uh, now I'm not worried about Disney. They still make a ton of money on, on the franchise. But it was very surprising to see that that even though it was a good movie, I thought, in the end, it turned out to be a good movie. They they uh, brought in Ron Howard, of course, to kind of save the, the whole uh, thing. 
Um, and I liked it. I really also liked uh, Alden, uh, Aaron Reich's uh, portrayal of, of Han Solo, a young Han Solo, as well as, um, what's her name from Game of Thrones, who uh, played his uh, girlfriend. And, and, and it ended with a cliffhanger. You know, it just so clearly was set up to lead into an, a sequel and perhaps even another movie uh, with with these actors. And uh, Al, uh, Aaron Reich has said that he signed a contract for three movies. So I guess that's true probably for the other actors as well, except for the ones that die in this movie. But um, uh, now all of a sudden there is there is a campaign with the hashtag Make Solo 2 Happen that really gets some traction and also some media attention. Which get, gets me excited as well, because I know that these studios listen to the fans. They try to listen to the fans. And um, first of all, uh, Ron Howard uh, reacted to the, 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 the trending hashtag Make Solo 2 Happen. And he, his response was very brief. He uh, replied on, on Twitter. I don't know why they bother with Twitter nowadays, but uh, anyway. <laughs> he said, uh, smiley face. <laughs> and he retweeted a photo with people wearing uh, sweatshirts uh, with uh, Make Solo to Happen uh, uh, logo on it. So, but then uh, Lawrence Kasdan, or actually John Kasdan, who is the, the, the son of uh, Lawrence Kasdan, who, who is one of the writers for of Empire Strikes Back. Um, and, and, and I think he did the two of them, so father and son worked together on the plot on the script for uh, for solo. Um, I think that was a great combination. And I want to see more of their Star Wars stories. And John Kazan is perhaps even a bigger Star Wars fan than his father, even though his father, you know, wrote penned the script for Empire Strikes Back. How is it possible that his son is even more into Star Wars? But anyway, he he re, he, re, he replied on Twitter. I'm beyond and grateful and galvanized by the make solo to happen energy on Twitter today. It means so much to everyone involved, and your enthusiasm makes it possible for us to keep advocating for it. So that's good to know that they're advocating for it, because the maker knows there is a war story set in a galaxy far, far away that's yet to be told. I like that. It's he's teasing something. They they clearly gave it some thought. They clearly know what they want to do with this sequel, and they're com- campaigning for it. And I really hope that uh, the fans are going to endorse this because this story deserves a sequel. And maybe maybe if Disney is 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 nervous about you know what, what it will do at the box office and uh, are afraid that they will get negative backlash. By all means, do it on Disney+. Plus. Netflix gives us these straight-to-TV movies, and they're pretty good. Well, I would say just just use your Disney+, Plus platform to give us a, a sequel, or, or turn it into a TV series. Why not? You have the actors, and everyone would watch it. I'm positive, because it's got the Millennium Falcon, it's got Chewie, it's got Han Solo. It's Do it! Make... Make it so. <laughs> as long as you don't put Jar Jar in it. Alrighty. That is not the only thing that got me excited this past week. Right after I finished recording last week's podcast, we saw the teaser trailer for the new Picard series that is currently being filmed because we saw the first footage. And I was shocked and also a bit worried when I saw it, but the end frame made me super excited again. I wish I had recorded my 
my uh, my reaction because it uh, there were a lot of emotions in just one minute. But you see uh, the 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 vineyards, and you see the footsteps of clearly Jean Luc Picard. So he's gone back to probably France to live as a farmer, and he's got he even creates his own wine, Chateau Picard. I, I was looking for is there is there a year on those bottles, but I couldn't see it. Um, and then there we hear the question. Someone asks him a question. So why did you leave Starfleet? Thereby hinting, of course, at something that we haven't seen in the Next Generation, or in in Deep Space Nine, or anything else, or in the movies. Um, but there, he is he is retired, and I I'm pretty sure that that question will lead to the call to action that he's been called back into duty to duty and he has to save the day because of course this is Jean-Luc Picard you know he can't retire and there are lots of other people that can make wine <laughs> but anyway the, the reason that I was a little bit worried is like oh f- I just hope that this is not going to be a series about farmer Picard and the only thing that he is going to talk uh, and be worried about is is vineyards because well I don't need to watch Star Trek for that. But uh, exciting to see the first footage and it looks good. It looks I I'm excited. I'm really excited. Um and then also right after I finished recording the show, we we got the first pretty long Terminator Dark Fate trailer. And and that too was what what did I, what did I think of it? I mean I I'm excited that they bring back the original actors. I'm excited that they kind of skip over all those failed sequels and that they're going back to Sarah Connor's story. Um, I'm even excited to see Arnold Schwarzenegger back. But at the other, on the other hand, I was looking at it, it was like, yeah, they've been there. They've done that. We've seen this already. So it's more of the same. I was expecting... Something, something new. I don't know why. There's this one Terminator that is kind of the sequel, I guess, or the follow-up model to the um, the liquid metal uh, uh, Terminator. And this time, he's made out of uh, some kind of black, dark stuff, but it has the same morphic qualities as the liquid metal. Um, and it all looks good. It looks great but it looks just like what we've seen before. So I, my guess is they're playing it very, very safe, and this is going to be a nostalgia-driven movie. Uh, the, the fans of Terminator 2, those are the fans that they're targeting. They, they, they want to see this movie because, well, it's just like the olden days. And, well, we've seen that before. Nostalgia can be a very powerful uh, uh, way to sell, to sell movies and to sell stuff in general. We are on the cutting edge of technology. Wow. Well, what does that mean? Let's plug it in. It's going to say, hey, I see you plugged in a new device. And it's going to load in the appropriate drivers. You'll notice that this scanner built... Whoa. Well, all your technology stuff, it just ends in disaster. But there is one more thing. Today in our technology segment, I want to briefly talk about streaming on YouTube. 
Um, I've talked about it at length uh, during this week's episode of The Walk, uh, my experiences in in uh, in streaming to YouTube, which I'm actually doing right now. As we speak, I'm streaming this not to Facebook, what I used to do, but I'm streaming this to my little YouTube community. And I love these guys and girls. They're amazing. And I meet them several times a week. Uh, I either stream uh, Lego sets that I build, and it's a ton of fun. Um but I'm also uh, dabbling into streaming uh, video games. And uh, just the other day, I finally managed to get things uh, working while streaming uh, a game on my computer. Now, there is an entire universe surrounding those YouTubers that I completely missed out on, and I need to kind of start from scratch, learning how to do this well and, and what the dynamics are of this relationship with it with a live YouTube audience. And one of the things that I do, what I that I don't do while I'm recording a podcast is interacting. So there are a lot of people right now in the chat and they're posting questions and asking, well, why doesn't Father Roderick react to what we what we post? That's kind of the that's the handicap of doing a, a podcast. I I need to talk primarily to the podcast audience that listens to this after the fact. So it's not interactive. It's it's a different type of relationship, a different type of audience uh, interaction. So I can't assume that my my uh, podcast listeners um uh, they don't they're not part of this YouTube audience that's currently watching this stream on YouTube. So if I would constantly talk to the people in the chat room, the podcast listeners would feel left out. It's like that, that that's that's something that I wasn't a part of. So they feel, and, and I don't want anyone listening to the podcast to feel that, to feel that they're excluded from something. That's why I never, hardly ever make reference to, to visual elements in the stream. And if I do, I make sure that there is an audio component. Like an example is the, the little uh, Simpsons um, uh, figurines. Um, I, I I demonstrated them, but I also try to describe what I do, what I do. I just just I'm not. I, what I hate is when when people have a, a a podcast that they're streaming and then they're saying, "Just look at this," and then they don't describe what I'm supposed to look at, and I'm just listening to the audio, so I I don't have a mental picture, and and thereby I I, I kind of disengage. So it's it's a it's a different type of animal. But what I love about YouTube streaming is the fact that th- Everything that I do is based on audience interaction. Actually, the the gaming and the Lego, it's fun, but it's almost secondary to the interaction with the people in the chat. And there's it's such a lively community, and we we talk about so many different things. It's always a, it's for me, it's a joy to do those streams because it's like hanging out with friends. And uh, but of course, in order to do that well, uh, being the media priest that I am. I want to up my game. I wanted to make it look better. And I'm currently using my old Logitech webcam and it's all very primitive. And I know that I can do so much better audio-wise, video-wise with lights. So what I decided to do is I want to build a YouTube studio at home because this is something that I don't really associate with the work that I do. Um... This is something more more of a personal nature, and I just like to have that ability to do YouTube streaming 
but I want it to look just as good as the other YouTubers. And it's not rocket science. I mean, I do more complicated stuff in my professional life as a program maker. But it, 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 it will probably require me to, to uh, buy some tech and to put some things in place. First of all, what do you need for streaming? Um, you need software to do that. And I'm currently using a Mac to stream. When I'm doing the Lego sets, I also use uh, my little uh, trusty old uh, MacBook Air. 11-inch MacBook Air. It's a tiny little device, but it works really well for, for live streaming. But when I'm streaming video games, I need to use my PC because, well, the Mac is not powerful enough to do uh, decent gaming. Um, and even my PC is getting old. It's, I think, the, the it's an i7, so that's why I can still use it because those chips are so good. But it is the first-generation i7, and we're now at the, I don't know, like the eighth or ninth generation uh, of chipset, so it's it's still really out of date. I do have a pretty decent uh, graphics card at 1060, so that one is is good enough for for modern day streaming. But I can feel that once I start streaming, then the the computer is pushing its limits. Plus, I've I've placed a television screen on my on my desk for gaming, but. When you attach a webcam on top of a television screen, it looks down on me from, from up above because the screen is so huge. So I need to figure out something else. Uh, one streamer gave me a tip. You have to attach the camera to the side of your of your screen. So that's something I could try. But I, I need to have a, something that I can screw onto the screen itself. Or I should do, just do a, a multi, uh, multi-monitor setup uh, where where I can have one screen specifically for the comments. Because one of the issues that I encountered when I started streaming the games is that uh, w- if the game is full screen, I can't read the comments. And the commenting and react- reacting to the viewers is essential for, for what I try to do on YouTube. So I'm going to go step by step. Another thing that's on my to-buy list is a green screen. Because I'm... I'm you know, f- streaming from... I have a little insert with my f- with my face on it. Um, but it's super simple to, to, to put a, a small green screen in place and light it well, and then I can just do like a, a cutout of, uh, of uh, uh, my upper body for the, for the commenting, just like you see with a lot of YouTubers. And those, are, those screens are not very expensive. There is a very good one. Actually, there's an entire set of hardware that is great for YouTube streaming, and it's all made by Elgato. Um, and there is, they have a, a foldable green screen that you just you can set it up in a few seconds. It's really brilliant, and it's it's made for for gamers actually. But I think I can also use it for my Lego videos because I can just put it anywhere behind my chair, no matter where I, where I sit. But in order to do green screen well, of course, you need to have good lighting on the green screen. That's always the biggest issue that uh, streamers struggle with. How do you properly light your green screen without spending tons of money and, and having your room filled with lamps and soft boxes and whatnot? Well, Elgato also uh, has a key light that they sell. And it's amazing. It's just this this rectangular kind of with rounded corners. Looks very cool. Um, this this light panel. You can you can change the color temperature of the light panel from from very blue to almost yellow white. Um, but it also connects via USB to your computer, so you can also program it. 
and you can screw it onto your desk. It has a, a an arm, like a telescope arm, and it's got this diffused light, and it will light your face and the green screen pretty well from what I've seen in the videos online. So it is a tad expensive if you compare it to regular LED panels. It's 199 I think. But still, it's a it's a very easy solution, and it's made for streamers. So I'm always like, well, it, it works very well together, so why not just spend a little bit more? Then at least I know that it's easy to use, and it works. And then the third device from Elgato is what I've already bought and never used it so far. It's called the Stream Deck. And the Stream Deck is a small device. It's got a number of buttons that are programmable. And with those buttons... You can actually queue, you can even start streaming. You can program it in such a way that you only have to press a button and it will automatically start a YouTube stream. Um, but you can also put in like lower thirds or little animations or transitions. Um, there, there are so many uh, uh, possibilities with that. Um, that I think I'm going to set that up not here in the studio where I originally wanted to use it, but I'm just going to use that in my home YouTube studio. And then um, another question that um, uh, a lot of the people in the YouTube channel asked me is, why don't you play any music while you're building your Lego set? It, it's, it's so quiet. And that's true. My life is very quiet. I usually, I, I'm, I, I like to a quiet environment. But I, I can imagine that a little bit of background music kind of really ups the the quality of the overall experience. The thing is, you can't really play copyright music. You can't play popular songs, or I can't just put on a playlist from uh, 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 Spotify or something like that because a lot of these streaming platforms will have algorithms that detect copyrighted stuff, and they will either mute it, like on Twitch, they will just completely mute the entire audio, which is, of course, a disaster. And worse, YouTube will just give you, will flag your channel, and if you do that a number of times your entire channel gets deleted and i told yesterday i told my my uh, youtube audience i don't want to take that risk because i already had that problem a couple of years ago where where my my original youtube channel was locked down by youtube because of a copyright strike which actually wasn't even my fault it was some kind of a a, par a third party that claimed to to have copyright ownership over something that i that was actually my uh, that I owned, and and there was just no way to uh, to appeal and to remove the restrictions on the YouTube channel. So I decided to start a new YouTube channel, and I was so frustrated that I don't ever want to have that experience again. But there are a number of services that um, uh, you can, but most of the best ones are still for money. So I it, it, I think there's one that uh, Peter McKinnon uses. Um, Peter McKinnon is one of the uh, one of the very famous YouTubers, talks a lot about cameras and stuff, but he recommended a service that is, I think, 10 bucks if you use it for personal YouTube uh, production. Um, and, but then they have a catalog of 60,000 musical numbers that you can just use for whatever you want. You never will never get a copyright strike. So I may want to look into that. YouTube also has a section with copyright music that I use a lot for my documentaries. Uh, the downside there is that it's track by track. So you, I'd need to download a lot of those tracks and queue them up and then play that playlist. And it's not the best music. So I'll, 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 I'll look a little bit more into uh, solutions for, for background music. Because I think 
the YouTubers have a, or the 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 viewers have a point there. It needs a little bit of background music sometimes. And then um, let's see what else. Oh yes, of course. The final thing is you need software to stream. And on the Macs, I'm using Ecam. I'm currently streaming using Ecam, and and that's great because you have a, a nice. Uh, uh, window with all the commons and I'm, I have this big iMac with a 27 inch screen so there's plenty of space for this kind of stuff but on a PC you have to use other software solutions because Ecamm is uh, only for Mac OS so I'm using uh, OBS which is uh, a freeware it's um, a public domain or what is it uh, shareware and we used to call it shareware I think um, and there is a, a, a version of OBS called Streamlabs, and it is very much targeted towards uh, YouTube and Twitch streamers. It's free, and it's got a lot of cool little add-ons that you can use uh, to interact with your audience. Um, it's a little bit tricky to set up because I'm not used to working with uh, OBS, so that will take me some time. But, you know, I like a little challenge. Let's just see if I can get that running and uh, and set it up so that... I, I want those streams to, to, to grow, and I want the YouTube audience to grow. And there's only one way to do that, and that is to entertain your audience and to make sure it looks great. Hey, I hope I've been able to entertain you for this, uh, for, for this hour. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you if you've been watching this live on, on YouTube. But now we'll see you next week. God bless.